goodness, speed once again, and he's, oh my goodness, that is huge. It's a white flag for the Cuban. Eddie Tadbo for the posterity. Hi, and welcome back to Trackcast by Triple Jumpers with your host, me, Marcus Lundborg. Trackcast by Triple Jumpers features the best athletes, coaches, and interesting persons from all over the globe within the track and field. Last week's episode was a really nice one featuring the 2019 Diamond League Triple Jump champion, Shanika Ricketts. If you haven't checked it out yet, Make sure to do that right away because it's very, very good. Now, this week's episode features the 2019 world champion, American record holder, the fourth best hammer thrower of all times, Deanna Price. We had a wonderful chat about Deanna's journey from the first time she held a hammer to breaking the NCAA college record to her first Olympic final and to her 2019 world championship victory. She tells a really emotional and detailed story about her career and she also talks a lot about many important things like her previous problems with eating and much, much more. This episode is really a blast. It's crazy good. So let's jump into the 18th episode of Trackcast by Triple Jumpers featuring Diana Price. Welcome to the show, Diana Price. Hello, how are you? I'm fine, how are you? I'm good. Perfect. Uh, okay, so how is your training going? I mean, facilities is, is closed. And so how are you doing keeping up with your training? So it has been really interesting. It's definitely being able to adapt to different situations. So um, luckily, I train here in Southern Illinois University here in Carbondale, um, and the weightlifting coach kind of gave us a heads up saying, um, hey, I don't think that we're going to be open for much longer. You might want to buy your own equipment. So luckily, you know, we went to Dick's Sporting Goods. We got some equipment, cleaned out my garage, and now we have, you know, a nice rack in there, and we're able to lift and um it's been really nice. <laughs> uh, it's been a little bit more difficult and challenging, uh, especially trying to find different places to throw at. Um, luckily, every now and then, you know, we get on campus and we'll throw there. Luckily, my event, uh, you know, kind of requires a six foot distance from anyone. So <laughs> um, it's it's been a challenge. But like I always say is, um, you know, everyone's dealing with the situation. It's just how do you deal with it? And uh, luckily, I'm always pretty bubbly. And, you know, I take things in stride. So been, uh been doing it. I say the hardest thing about this is not hugging people. That's probably been my <laughs> biggest weakness. <laughs> okay. Yeah, as you said, uh, it can be tricky to find places to to throw. I mean, if you if you're a jumper or a a sprinter or a distance runner you you can run or jump pretty much anywhere but to throw a hammer you you need you need a perfect spot for that yes exactly i don't think the farmers are going to be too excited when they go out and they see that i have some holes i put in their land but fortunately uh 
you know, we go out, we step them in real quick and we kind of book it. My husband's been wonderful. He uh, has built this metal ring that I can put down on um, concrete and I could just, at least I have an idea of, you know, my circumference and throwing off that and uh, doing, we have a pretty long concrete driveway. So just been doing turns on the driveway, um, you know, really trying to adapt to different situations. It's, it's been challenging, but uh, it's been pretty good. Great. Yeah. As you said, uh, you train with your husband. Tell us a bit about, about that, how it is to, to train with your husband and how come you started out so we met in, so I was actually in high school when he was in college. So I was a junior and he was a freshman and um, started chatting there, but we've been together since 2012. Um, I, like whenever I decided to come to Southern Illinois, me and him started dating that May and uh, been together ever since. And in 2015, my old coach, John Smith and Price Connie, uh, Smith, she ended up going to Oxford, Mississippi. So I didn't have a coach. And with the one year rule, um, you were not allowed to transfer out. And I really didn't want to leave, you know, SIU was my home. This is the university that I wanted to go to. And, um, my husband, you know, he always wanted to be a coach, but, uh, with it coming up and he wanted, uh, you know, his last year as a, um, I guess, post-collegiate athlete, he wanted to go to the Olympics and Olympic trials. And um, instead he ended up giving up his dream to coach me. And so he became my coach in uh, 2015 to 2016 season. And he's been my coach ever since. It's, it's been wonderful. Uh, I'd say it's definitely hard, um, especially when you see that person every single day, all the time. It, it is a little bit hectic because um, you don't really get a break. But luckily, we kind of have positioned it to, you know, whenever we're at the throwing field, he's my coach. He is Coach Lambert. I am his athlete, Deanna Price. And when we're home, then we make it more about, you know, our relationship. Uh, with the quarantine, it's been a little bit more difficult because, you know, he usually coaches also additional like 20 other kids here at the university. And he doesn't have that. So he's been a little bit more hyper-focused on everything that I do. So it's been, that's been a little bit of a challenge of not bringing it home. Um, it's definitely just leaving it at the field. If we disagree with something, we hash it out there. Um, but probably the longest argument that we have about training is would probably be about like 10 to 15 minutes. And 90% of the time, he's pretty accurate. He's pretty much right. <laughs> so hopefully he doesn't hear that. Um, but, you know, we come to terms, we discuss it. And uh, it, it's definitely been a huge reason why I've done so well, because he knows how I sleep. He knows, you know, what I'm eating. He knows, you know, um, did I get my nap today? You know, he, he is very in tune with every single thing that, I, that I'm doing. And it's really taken me to that next level. That's great. And it's yeah. it's romantic to to give up his dreams uh, for yours, romantic. Yeah, he, oh, gosh, he's, he's a huge sweetheart. He really is. And I remember I was I was telling him I was like, you know, get back into it. And he's like, you know what? I always said I wanted to go to the Olympics. He's like, and I got to go to the Olympics with you. He goes, and that made my dream a reality. And I was like, gonna make me cry. <laughs> so, and I cry all the time. But uh, you know, I got very very blessed with such a 
unique individual who's there with me every single step of the way, you know, not only as a coach, but also as a lifetime partner. Yeah. And he was, he was pretty good as well. He, he threw 73 meters or something like that. Yeah. I think it was 72. He's going to kill me for not knowing this. It was like 7290 something or 74. It's been a while since it's since uh, 2015. He hasn't really, uh, but uh, it was pretty amazing because he, I feel like if he actually would have kept training and only had that responsibility versus being a coach as well, I feel like he definitely could have been easily like 76 to 77 meter potential. That's what I was seeing. Um, he actually, so he did come and compete at Olympic trials. Um, the, his first warm up, he tore his knee Whoa. and he still, he just took this ACE bandage out, wrapped it around his knee, like six times, pulled it tight and still made the finals. Like he's just one of these people that he just goes and he is, gives a hundred percent. And, um, you know, I feel like if he didn't have that stress of coaching, you know, those 18 other athletes and also me, and then, you know, I feel like he definitely could have done something, you know, I don't, maybe make the Olympic team who would have known, you know, it's always in the cards, but um, I know that he definitely probably would have been throwing, you know, 75 to 76 meters. To start, um, I would like to have a little introduction of yourself and your background and what got you into track and field and into the hammer throw. Okay. So, um, I, man, I went to Immaculate Conception at Ullman Rose. So I did all these different sports. It's a Catholic school. And, um, I did that from kindergarten to eighth grade. So I played softball, basketball, and volleyball and soccer. Um, whenever I went to Troy Buchanan High, it was a public school and we decided, you know, I wanted to do track and field to beat my mom, my mom's record, uh, in the 800 meters. So, uh, I was actually about only 145 pounds and, you know, but I was always strong. I always had very, very big biceps still do. I don't bench. I still have crazy amount of biceps and, um, I remember, you know, going to my mom saying, well, I'm going to get your record back because she, uh, it was broke like two years prior before I came into high school. And I was like, you know, I'm going to get that back for you. And I remember going into um, tryouts and this crazy girl, senior, uh, she was really good friends with my older brother. And she's like, hey, you know what? You're going to be a thrower with me. I mean, she was like this. She was so tiny. I mean, probably one of the smallest people I've ever met. Just beautiful amazing and I was like wait isn't you know throwing you know for you know being bigger she's like no she goes you can be small you can be big you can be any size you have you know it's kind of what potential you have to do it because I know you were an all-state you're an all-state softball player so give this a try I was like okay I will try throwing out and I remember you know the first time picking up the discus and I threw it 68 feet and from a stand. And I remember the coaches just being like, did you see that? And they ran over there and, um, they measured it out. And, uh, after that, I was not allowed to run the 800. <laughs> I remember going home to my mom and being like, Hey, um, you know, I'm just not, 
you know, I'm, I take softball so seriously, basketball so serious, volleyball. Um, you know, I just want to do track for fun. Well, I ended up being, going to state my freshman year. <laughs> and I just, I'm very competitive. And, uh, you know, I absolutely fell in love with throwing. It was great. And um, this crazy guy, his name was Gary Cooper. And this is how I actually got introduced to the hammer throw. Uh, in his front yard, in the middle of Missouri, Troy, Missouri, he has his home. You go through all these cornfields and dirt roads. And in his front yard, he had this concrete slab. And he cleared out all the woods so his son and his daughter could throw. And it was, I remember him handing me this thing. I didn't know it was a hammer. It was just a ball on a long wire and a handle. And he goes, wind this around your head and throw it. And this was the end of my freshman year of 2009. And I remember winding it and I hit myself right in the forehead with the handle. I remember dropping the hammer and saying, thank you. I appreciate it, but I'm going to go to college playing softball. And I'm so glad though he was very persistent because he was like, no, 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 no. You need to keep coming to my house. And I was like, well, this is weird. You know, they don't have hammer in high school. And, uh, you know, all together though, from my freshman year to my senior year, since I did so many different sports, I only had about three months of training the hammer. And uh, within that time frame, I could throw it about 185 feet. And um, I ended up getting full ride offers for track and I ended up getting full ride offers for softball. So I had to make that decision of what I wanted to do. And, uh, you know, it was probably one of the hardest things I ever had to do in my life was decide between, you know, because I played softball since I was five years old. And I was so nervous because, you know, my great-grandmother was one of the first women to ever play softball and I wanted to kind of be part of that legacy and um but you know they took softball out of the Olympics in 2012 and I remember sitting there thinking you know I always wanted to be an Olympian and I never really gave this track thing a real go you know um especially the hammer So I was like, you know what? I was like, SIU has a fantastic accounting program, has a great business school, um, great track program. And I actually decided to take a partial scholarship to the University of um, Southern Illinois at Carbondale, being a Saluki. And it kind of took off from there. Do you think you had advantage to of being of playing a lot of other sports uh, when you decided to to become a hammer thrower do you think that helped you in any way oh yeah i encourage kids to do multiple sports do multiple events because you don't know what you're good at until you try it um it and on top of it you're developing so many different muscle groups you know and to me if being a well-rounded athlete you know it causes less injuries over time, you know, weeding out, you know, to your senior, junior, senior year of knowing what you want to do is ideal. But especially like when you're a kid, you don't know what you're good at. You know, um, doing multiple sports made me a way better athlete, made me a lot stronger. And, uh, you know, not only knowing, 
you know, how to work as a team, but as an individual and, you know, reading different situations, you know, it, it has definitely made me a better athlete, especially in high pressure situations. Um, I say probably the best thing about it with being track and field is that when you are in that ring, what I learned over time is that it's not just yourself. You know, you have so many people who have put time and effort and has helped make you grow and, you know, be who you are. And to me, when I step in, it takes so much pressure off of me that I know that I had that support. And that's what, you know, help like doing those different sports and doing different events. It kind of led me to this point of where I'm at. And that's kind of, you know, I'm 100% support of athletes doing different things because it's just going to make you a better all around person. Yeah, for sure. Okay. So you went to college being a hammer thrower. How was that? I mean, the US is very known for producing a lot of great shot putters, but the other throwing events is not historically so strong events for the US. So how was it to grow up competing in an event that doesn't really have that much of a history in your country? Well, it was, it was so much fun. It was a blast. Coach John um, Smith, you know, when he trained me for the first three years, it was, um, I did shot, hammer and discus and a little bit of javelin and weight throw. So I did multiple events, um, but my primary was hammer throw. Um, growing up with the hammer, you know, I had Gwen Berry and Geneva McCall, and now Geneva Stevens, you know, to look up to you. So I always had these amazing, incredible hammer throwing women that I was with. And, um, I just knew that if I wanted to be good, you know, I want to try to put myself on where they're at in that level and training with them was amazing. You know, they're so beautiful and they're so strong. And, you know, I remember everyone talking that, you know, 70, I think it was, um, man, Amber Campbell, um, you know, Amanda Bingston. I was there in 2012 when Amanda Bingston went 75, 75. And to, that was just like insane to think like a U.S. athlete going that far. And now it going, you have to like, you have those 75 meters just to make the team for Team USA. It has built so much, but it's because of these women, you know, Gwen, um, uh, Geneva, Amanda Bingston, Amber Campbell, um, you know, and, and the women before them, Brittany Henry, and, you know, all these other women, um, Jessica Cosby, you know, from the U.S., like, they were paving, pave, paving the way, and just as the same as me, you know, it's putting groundwork for future generations to see that, you know, you can be strong, you can be beautiful, you can have the best of both worlds, and you can throw far. And we have this now crazy amount of women who are throwing 75 plus meters in the U.S. because these women have led the way. Yeah, as you said, you, right now you have a lot of great throwers, like five people, something like that, throwing over 75 meters. How important is that for you to have uh, rivals within the same country that pushes you to, to go even further? It, it, it's huge. It means everything because, you know, 
I know right now I am the American record holder, but 78-24 isn't going to be the last number that you see from the United States or the farthest. It's going to, you know, it's pushing you to be better. I think Anita definitely, you know, broke that glass ceiling throwing 80 meters because then everyone's like, whoa, we can actually do this. We can actually grow and develop this. And girls are starting younger and getting better. If I was able to start at a younger age and actually stuck with it, you know, where could I have been? And I'm still relatively really young, just turned 27. And, um, but, you know, I don't have that technique background that other women have, but I'm, I'm extremely strong. And um, it is so much fun knowing that you're going to be competing at the United States Championships with women who can easily throw over 75 to 76 meters. And it, it is that intensity that, you know, when you're going to the games, it's a great setup because you're like, okay, if I can win this, I can do something great there. It, it's kind of giving you like a nice little warm up, prepping up, you know, now making the United States women's hammer team is almost as hard as making that Olympic team. It, it is going to be uh, any women that day who can throw over 75 to 76 meters. My estimation is that you're going to have to throw 77 this coming season uh, at Olympic trials to make this team. And I think it that is amazing. And I think it's so it's such a beautiful event. You know, these women, it's all different shapes, all different sizes, all different colors. And it is just such a powerful movement, but at the same time, this beautiful work of just being able to balance and how smooth it is and power. And it's just, it's amazing. And I'm really, really excited about competing with them because, you know, you see them all the time and they are like family. You want the best for everyone. You want everyone to do their best because whenever you're standing on that podium or, you know, or if you didn't make it, you want to make sure that you gave your all. That was your moment. You did everything you could. That's what I want for everybody at Olympic trials and at the Olympic games. Absolutely. But can't it be like stressful or to, to go to the trials and, know that you really need to perform at your highest level to only make it to a championships or a, an Olympic Games. Isn't it stressful to to really have that pressure to, to perform? Yes, always. You know, but we, I know my coach and I, we do a really good job at doing situational testings and making sure that, you know, he puts stress on me all the time. So I have that feeling. So whenever I am in those situations that, you know, how am I going to overcome it? You know, he always makes sure the first throws for him, the rest is for me. And, um, it's stressful. It, it really is, but, um, it's being able to put your butterflies in formation. It's making sure you use that stress and you using it to your advantage. You know, you have to make sure that you do this and you're going to do it right you know, cause the stress comes off whenever I start thinking of the people who have been so supportive of me and that I know that I'm not just doing it for myself, that I'm doing it for someone else. I'm doing it for a reason. Like I always say, I ask myself three questions every single day. Who am I doing it for? What's the purpose and why? And when I can answer those questions and have 
this goal in mind, that stress kind of melts away and it becomes more of determination and drive and that dedication to make sure that I'm able to give back to those people. Let's go back to to college then. You went to Southern Illinois, uh, graduating in 2016. And in 2015 and 2016, you won the NCAA back-to-back. And you also, during your time in college, you went from throwing 55 meters to throwing 73 meters. I don't really know what that is in in feet, but it's, it's a huge improvement. So... (laughs) <laughs> go through your time in in college and what what do you think led up to your huge improvement when I was in college you know coach John I was probably only about 180 pounds when I came in and coach Smith he was like hey if you want to be a good thrower we need to get you up to about 200 and about 200 210 so my freshman year you know I followed everything and um, end up throwing you know, starting out 55 meters coming in and then I ended up throwing 62.30 my freshman year, um, which was crazy. That It, it was just, we, I broke the freshman record here at the university. Um, you know, I was really, really driven. I ended up taking a partial scholarship. My mom and dad both lost their jobs. So I knew that if I wanted to earn a full ride scholarship, that I would have to make nationals and do something. And um, at nationals, I went 62 30 and I missed out a finals by, I think it was two inches. So just missed it. Got, I think it was 10th and I was crushed. I was upset. It was actually my birthday. And, um, cause I wanted it so bad, but, uh, you know, coach John gave me a call and said, congratulations. You won your, you got your full ride. And so, Going into my sophomore season, um, I was kind of having a little bit of issues with how I felt about my body. You know, I was bigger. I didn't fit in the clothes when I came. It was, um, you know, I wasn't looking at the bigger goal. I was looking at what I looked like right then and there, which I looked fantastic. But in my own mind, I'm thinking, you know, going from 180 to now I'm 210 to, you know, 215. Um you know, I just, I basically kind of made myself into like, I guess an eating disorder. You know, I wasn't eating. I would just keep working out elliptically, elliptically and um, causing different situations that, you know, I, it's really sad now that I look at it, that, you know, I just didn't feel pretty in my own skin. Um, And So I dropped down to about 170 pounds. So I was lighter than when I came in. I still threw 65 meters. So I increased to, but I was very inconsistent. It was up and down. It wasn't, it was not very good. And um, I remember doing well on a hammer, but my other events definitely suffered. And I remember coach coming up to me and saying, he's like, Deanna, this is four years of your life. He's like, how did you feel how this went? I was like, well, I'm not too happy. I didn't do well. Um, You know, I placed eighth at nationals. I should have done better. And he goes, because you're too worried about what's on the scale versus how you, you know, he goes, you need to figure out how to love yourself, kind of basically. He goes, you know, 
it's just four years. He goes, but if you want to do well, you have to be able to get up to this body weight that's ideal for you for hammer throwing. He's like, every thrower has their own ideal body weight. Yours is around 210 to 215. He goes, if you want to be able to go to nationals and you want to do this, this is the steps you need to take. And I took that very seriously. And um, so I decided, you know, enough's enough. I'm going to take care of myself. I'm going to love who I am and love what I do because I know doing this is going to make me better. It's going to make not only me be successful, but I can show that women can be bigger, beautiful, can be strong, can be all these different things. And I was like, you know what? Uh, That's definitely something that I want to do with my life. So I started lifting heavier, started getting stronger, um, got up to about 215 again. Um, But unfortunately, I ended up, uh, I was throwing great, but I ended up tearing my left knee. Uh, tore my MCL, stretched out my ACL and PCL, and I ended up um, having to redshirt uh, my indoor season. It was about the third meet when I did it, um, but I ended up having to redshirt my outdoor season, and I was out for about eight months. And you know, won't lie, I enjoyed food pretty good, <laughs> so I got up to about two hundred and thirty to two hundred and forty pounds, and um, my coach you know, I was supposed to redshirt that indoor season. And he goes, Hey, guess what? You got four weeks to get ready for indoors. And I remember just crying every single day during indoors. It was absolutely crushing. Because I was like, how can I get back to the shape that I need to be in? How can I so I was like, you know what, I'm just going to get bigger, the weight throw, mass moves mass. So I just got up to about 245 pounds. And was just throwing as heavy as I can, crying almost every day because it was so mentally distraught, distraught from it. But uh, my husband, I guess, you know, boyfriend at the time, he was like, don't worry about it. I'm here for you. This is what we need to do. Let's just keep working out, keep working out. And um, I ended up qualifying and making it for indoor nationals. And I was like, okay, cool. And but I was just so tired and I was so mentally exhausted. Uh, but my husband, he goes, you know what? I'll make a bet with you. If you win indoors, I'll propose to you. And let me tell you something. I've never thrown so good in my whole entire life. <laughs> I was throwing a PR after PR and I ended up, um, I came in seventh, I think it was seventh or eighth into nationals. Um, and I ended up getting third. I was in the lead all the way up to the last two round throws. And I'm having, throwing, I think it was like a three to four foot PR on the weight. And I was determined to be engaged. I was telling all the refs, the ups, I was telling the girls, if I win this, I get engaged too. And, um, <laughs> luckily my, uh, JC, my husband, he was like, I'm so glad he goes, I'm glad you did really well. But I'm also really glad you didn't win. Cause I did not have the money to propose to you yet. <laughs> so, um, I was like, you know what, make a bet. Let's do it. Outdoor national, same thing. And he's like, yeah, no, I definitely learned from that mistake. So not to bet against you. <laughs> so, uh, you know, we ended up going into outdoor season. Um, I was a little bit heavier, but we started toning down because I know that I needed to get faster. So I ended up dropping down to about 240, 235. And um, 
but it wasn't really good weight. I was still a little bit more on the chunkier side, more fat versus muscle. And, uh, but I was moving a lot quicker, a lot faster. And, um, I think I was throwing like 66, 67 meters, doing well, doing okay. And I remember going to nationals and they ranked me, I think it was fourth that they were estimating where where I was going to be. And I was like, fourth. And I remember like being a little offended by that because uh, my mark, you know, should have put me at second. So I was like, you know what? All right. So I just trained and I trained and I remember, you know, my opening throw was 63 meters and coach was like, okay, that should get you into finals. Second throw was 75. Third throw was 78. Um, Next throw was 79. And then I ended up having a foul and my last throw was 71.49 breaking the um, championship record. And that was so cool because it was just like, no one was expecting it. I wasn't expecting it. And it went out there and that was was so cool. And that was actually the first time that I really made, I guess, my big girl team because that next meet was USATF Outdoor Championships. And I ended up throwing 72.30 on my, I think it was my second round or third round throw. It was, yeah, 72.30. And that was crazy. And I ended up going and making the team to, you know, it was NACX, Pan Ams, and Worlds all fell in that same year. And so that was, it was a blast traveling and, uh, you know, going and seeing the world. Um, Man, and and coming off an injury and being able to do that, it, it was just one of the things that, you know, my mom always told me that, you know, no matter what obstacle in your life, everyone has them, but it's how you overcome them. It's how you take them on. It's, you know, how are you going to be better? She goes, anytime you get hurt, you make sure you come back stronger. And I always took that definitely to heart because, you know, coming back from that torn knee and placing third and first at indoor and outdoor championships and making the team to go to China, that it, it was a, uh, it was crazy. It was absolutely crazy. And then, you know, from there, uh, the following year was whenever JC took over my training program. Um, I actually had three bulging discs in my lower back all outdoor season. It, It was extremely painful and it was absolutely terrible. And, um, he just, he was like, you know, we're going to rest. We're going to take it easy. He's like, we were inversion tabling or we went to the doctor. They gave me this huge back brace. I couldn't throw in it. I just wore it around walking, um, sleeping. And then when I'm throwing, I took it off. And I remember getting in there to go and uh, <laughs> it was Olympic trials time. And um, I remember JC's like, you're gonna have to throw something if you want to make this team. And I remember just thinking, you know, any of these women can do this today. You know, it's what am I going to do to make it, get it out there? And, uh, you know, popped out a 7309 and ended up breaking, you know, um, the, I think it was uh, the uh, NCAA record and, you know, placed third and ended up going to Rio de Janeiro. Yeah, it was the, the NCAA, the college record. Yeah. Yeah. College. Yeah. Okay. So, you talked about your 
problem with with your weight and with the food do you have any tips for young people battling with that yes you know if you're hungry you need to eat you know you, it, it is making sure that you have balanced meals all throughout the day you know jc and i have really honed down on it and really focused and realizing you know i i was only um i was born with both kidneys but one of them end up dying. And so with being a little bit bigger, my body doesn't process sugar correctly. And so knowing that, you know, if I have one cupcake, it's like eating three cupcakes. And it's definitely making sure that, you know, you have a balance. If you're going to eat something bad, make sure the rest of the meals that day are good. Just don't think that it's, well, you know, I already blew it today. Let me, let me have another bad meal. Um, making sure you plan out what you're going to eat throughout the day. I know I am a huge sweet tooth girl. I love cake. I love cookies. You know, it's finding different alternatives. You know, I make my own now, you know, sugar-free cookies. Um, I'm trying to make sure, you know, whatever I'm putting in my body is going to be optimal for what I'm trying to do. It is, it's been a long journey. I was the heaviest was in 2017. I weighed 265 pounds. Um, I'm now down to 228 pounds. I just weighed in this morning, really happy about it. <laughs> so um, it's definitely, it, it's a lifestyle change. It's not a diet. It is, what do you want for your life? If it is going out, drinking, you know, eating Mexican food every single night, you know, it, it is making sure you have a balance because if you want that type of lifestyle, you cannot be at an elite level and sustain at an elite level. Sooner or later, something's going to give out. Something's not going to work well. And it's because what you're putting into your body, it's making sure that, you know, you're living your best self in your best life. You know, it's, nourishment for your soul, basically knowing that, you know, I'm, I might be wanting this ice cream, but is that worth, you know, a meter? Is that going to be worth, you know, all the cardio that I have to do that next morning to burn that off? You know, it, it's having this, a balance in your life. If you're going to do and, you know, plan out meals, that's wonderful. That's great. Every once in a while, have a cheat meal. That's good. But make sure that, you know, it's not, I know for me personally, um, my body is considered an endomorph. So um, being just working out, working out, working out and cutting back and eating less, it, that does not work for me. My body will hold on to every single bit of fat and, and it, it will just not work. So what I have to do is if I'm going to be working out this hard, I actually have a high enriched carb diet and protein. It's literally carbs and protein. So white, you know, white rice, um, sweet potatoes, you know, d different kind of meals that I'm eating all throughout the day to make sure that, and, and it's crazy because then my body is seriously, um, it, it just starts dropping weight. And I feel great because I'm eating way more, but it's good, healthy meals, you know, baked chicken, you know, you can, you can find different recipes. You can, there, if there's a will, there is a way to do things. And it's just how much are you willing to put in? 
what, you know, what are you willing to do? And you have to find the perfect body weight for you. My body weight is not going to be the same as somebody else's. You know, it is what works for you. Where do you feel the best at? What do you want? And, you know, how, because I know if I get under 210, it is 215. It's just not good. I get real weak. I get real more fatigued because my body's so used at being at a higher body weight and being able to move the heavier balls that I throw and getting under a certain body weight. I might be a little bit faster, but it's not optimal for what I'm trying to do. So my usual best competition body weight is 225 to 232. Everyone has different body compositions and so. Yeah, it's definitely just figuring out what works best for you. It's a challenge. It's so hard, especially if you're traveling and you're like, oh, I totally just want a cheeseburger right now. And instead, you know, I know when I travel, I hold a lot of water weight. So I'll have to kind of lean more towards salads while traveling, um, while my husband will chew down five cheeseburgers and not gain a pound. (laughs) Definitely not fair, but it's just kind of knowing your own body, figuring it out, um, talking to your doctor, you know, do a blood test, see what works for you, um, see what you're allergic to, that kind of stuff, and uh, kind of understanding how it works. Yeah, and find a balance that's that's healthy for your mind. You won't really get bad by eating ice cream or something one day. And if you if you have a balanced diet and and a healthy diet uh, on the whole. Yeah, exactly, exactly. As you said, you ended up qualifying for for the Olympic Games, and not only the the Olympic Games, but also the final there, finishing on eighth place. So how did it feel to come fresh out of college and placing eighth at the Olympic Games? Intense. Um, I was actually in really great shape. Um, I remember heading over there, throwing great, wonderful. And actually two days before the, um, so we had our comp day, which was great, qualified through. The next day, so we had a day break and then I think it was two days or a day break and then the final. But during that break, I ended up having a severe allergic reaction to something. No clue what it was. But the my my lips swelled up. It looked like a bad injection of like Lindsay Lohan <laughs> lip Botox. It was just terrible. The left side of my face slumped over. Um, I remember them, they're like, okay you take these five Benadryl or you're going to go to the hospital in Rio. And I was like, no, I can't. They're like, we got a therapeutic use exception form. You know, Benadryl is fine. Like, but you need to take this. But if you know anything, taking that kind of medication ruins, you know, your central nervous system and you kind of just crash. And uh, I ended up sleeping for 15 hours. Oh. I, it was terrible. <laughs> and I had a competition the next day. And I remember my legs felt like sludge. And, you know, to still make it to the final, I just, I was so happy that I give 100% credit to my husband and coach. Because he was like, you do this every single day. 
How many times have you thrown over 70 meters? It's just another day. You just, he goes, even when you don't feel good, you can throw this. And he was so strong and he was so, such an amazing person, uh, still is. And he was just 100% in my corner. And um, having my mom and dad there and grandma and grandpa was huge for me. Because like I said, having, you know, the people who got you to where you are, when I stepped in that ring, I was stressed. I was worried. I was like, man, I don't feel good. But whenever I saw my mother running around the arena with the American flag screaming my name, I I was like, I'm home. This is home because there's my crazy mom running around the stadium. (laughs) And uh, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to throw and enjoy this. And you know, making it through, going to the finals, and, you know, me and Amber Campbell, her placing sixth, me placing eighth. It was so much fun. It was amazing. It really was. It was a moment that I will never forget. And having, you know, people in my hometown, they rented out, you know, they had the Troy High School completely open to the cafeteria, to the public, and they had it playing on this big screen. And it was, it was amazing this amount of support that I had. Um, and I was so honored that I was able to make the final for them and to say, you know, thank you for, you know, you guys, your community, they say it takes a village to raise you. It does. It, it, it is, it was amazing. And I've had such wonderful people in my life and to be able to give that back and, you know, make, be one of the first ever Americans to make the women's hammer final was, uh, the dream come true. Yeah, sounds amazing. <laughs> if we move forward then to 2018, it was an, an off year for, for the Americans with no big championships, uh, international championships on the schedule. Uh, however, the national championships took place as usual and you managed to win your your first US title uh during the indoor season in the weight throw uh, first of all how did it felt to be a u.s champion for the first time insane <laughs> well um like i said in 2017 i was weighing probably the heaviest and um i don't know if people know i know a lot of people know his name is Stuart toger and he came down and um he met with me jc coach john gwen geneva and Jessica Ramsey and uh, and Alex Young, so we we were all kind of talking to him, and he was kind of helping us a lot. Um, and he came up to me, and he grabbed me by the stomach, and excuse my language, he goes, "You're too effing fat. How, how the hell are you going to throw when you're just too fat?" And I was like, and it, it crushed me. It absolutely crushed me him saying this because I was like. I was like, I know I'm a little bit bigger. I got to lose weight. And, 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 but he's, he wants to see how mentally strong you are and to see if he can get, get under your skin and, you know, to see where you will break. And I remember sitting there and I was like, I will not let him see me cry. I will not let him see me cry. And, uh, I will tell you that it got me at lunchtime. I went to the, my car and I cried for about an hour. And then I came back out and I was like, you know what? I'm going to get him. So I was giving him hugs. I was giving him kisses on the cheek. I was, I was like, he's going to love me. And I was like, I'm going to force it on him. 
<laughs> and, and, uh, and, and it did, it worked, you know, and, uh, but I learned a lot from him and I did realize that I needed to lose weight and I got down to about 230 pounds, 200, 235. And I danced between that to two forties, you know, between those, t- that 10 pounds, Um, but he got me to lose that weight and it was kind of that reassurance that, you know, whenever I won indoors, I was like, okay, so all this hard work is paying off. And, um, you know, it was actually at that meet where I tore my wrist. That was great. And, uh, ended up, you know, it was like tendonitis in the wrist. And then also I ended up tearing some muscle in there and had to get a wonderful little shot in there and had to take two weeks off two to three to kind of get back and I was already two to three weeks behind because I was trying to figure out what was going on because I have no clue why that happened and uh you know just some things pop up they kind of happen and so uh I was just training getting ready you know I won indoors, super excited, was with the New York Athletic Club. And I was so, so happy that I could just be like, yeah, I did it, I did it, I did it. And, uh, you know, I was going into outdoor season and it just seemed like every meet I was progressively getting better. And um, I was so, you know, first meet, I think I opened up, it was like 60 nine 69 at Tennessee and then the next meet I think I went like 72 the next meet I went 75 and then the next meet after that I went 76 and then after that I broke the American record at 77 65 and uh and then I was like whoa and then you know next meet after that was nationals and I went 78 12 and it just, I was like, oh, thank goodness. Because <laughs> I was, I got really nervous with the opening uh, mark of 69 of the season. I was like, oh, <laughs> that's not good for me. <laughs> cool. But uh, it, it was a lot of hard work, a lot of dedication from a lot of people. You know, it was, it, it, I, if you're going to be in a sport and you're going to go all out, it is every day, every minute, what are you doing to be better? And that year just really, kind of made me focus on exactly what I needed to be doing. You've had a lot of problems uh, and injuries during your career. And um, in 2019, I understand you had some problems leading up to the U.S. championships as well. Yes. So um, I got back from indoor nationals. I didn't really train the weight in 2019. Um, just kind of went there, competed, done, uh, got second. And about two weeks later, I was already throwing the 4k hammer 77 meters. And I was like, Holy hot dog. That's great. In March. I was like, dang, I was like, this is great. I'm so excited. This is going to be a great year. Um, within a month, everything started kind of decreasing and it was really weird. I just didn't feel good. Um, it felt like I had two handles on my hamstrings and it felt like I had this brace around my hips and it felt like someone was holding me back. I could not turn to save my life. I was going side to side versus going to the field. 
And I could not figure out for the life of me what was going on. It wasn't, it wasn't painful yet, but it started becoming progressively more painful. It started actually really hurting. Um, we still to this day haven't quite figured out what was wrong, but it, I mean, I was having trouble throwing the 4k over 67, 65 meters, the 4k. And I couldn't figure out why. And, um, you know, I was so stressed. I was so worried. And I was like, well, I guess, you know, I just came off the best season of my life. And I guess now I'm going into early retirement. I was like, cause there's no way I'm going to go and throw 65 to 67 meters. Like, I'm not going to do that coming from 78, 24, I mean, 78, 12. And, um, JC, he was, he was searching everywhere to figure out what was wrong. You know, we, we were doing blood tests, everything was fine. Um, you know, we were like, well, were we pregnant? Nope. Wasn't pregnant. That mono, no, um, gosh, we could not figure out. We were doing MRIs, we were doing everything, couldn't figure it out. And um, JC found, uh, talked to one of his good friends, Corey Martin from Indiana. And uh, he goes, hey, he goes, come see my guy. His name is Brian Murr here in Indiana. He's a functional movement. Uh, he actually was a hammer thrower. So he knows the motion that you're doing. He goes, he is a great guy and he is, I think he'll help you in a lot. So I ended up going to him in May. I think, yeah, I believe the first week of May and I was getting ready to go to a competition there at Bloomington. So I went there Wednesday, he worked on me Wednesday. We did dry needling. We did, and you know, he's, he's doing all those different movements, trying to activate different muscles basically he was explaining how there was just a disconnect from, you know, your brain to that muscle. And, and he's like, it's, he's like, it's not going to fix it. He goes, I'm just right now. He goes, he goes, I think there is something wrong, maybe, you know, a torn muscle or something. He goes, but I can try and help with this. And, um, the first time he worked on me was Wednesday, worked on me again on Thursday and my competition was on Friday. I ended up throwing 75, 75 wow. and I was ecstatic. <laughs> I was like, I didn't think I was going to see 70s for such a long time. And it was so mentally draining. And, uh, and I was like, I just immediately looked over at Brian and he's just grinning ear to ear. And I was like, wow. Okay. So I ended up going and seeing him almost every week. I was driving three and a half hours every week to go see him and he's doing different drills, different things to kind of help with, uh, with all of that. And he goes, he goes, I know right now we're aiming for worlds. He goes afterwards worlds. He goes, right now I'm just going to hold you together with bailing wire and duct tape. He's like, but afterwards we're going to do more tests to figure out what's going on. And so, you know, he was looking, just going through everything. And uh, every time I, he worked on me, I got better. You know, I ended up throwing, I, I went to, I went to China and Japan through there, did okay, did well, got, I think it was third in Japan, second in China. And then I came home, worked on me. And then I think I had another meet in Bloomington and I went, um, 77, 49. And I was like, and it was great. It was a great series. And I was like, okay. I was like, I'm coming back. Thank goodness. You know, I was really worried. And, uh, 
I actually paid for his trip to come to Des Moines, Iowa, because I was like, I need you. And I'm so glad I did, because the day before Nash, like the our meet to uh, USA uh, Nationals, my hips, I don't, it, they just kind of spazzed out again. And it was, it was so painful. And he's, and he's doing a little dry needling and he's like, you'll be fine. Don't worry. You're going to be good. He's like, you have, and JC's in the corner. He's like, Deanna, you have the reps, you have the drills, you have everything. You're going to be fine. He's like, don't worry. You know, we got this, we got your back. And that was just like, okay, okay. Not a problem. This is going to be good. It's going to be good. And I remember, I think my opening throw was I think like 75 or 76 meters. And it was just probably best series of my life that day. And to finish off at 78, 24, it was, it was, it was crazy. It was crazy. And I was so happy that I had them with me. They, gosh, I have the best team. I really do. And, uh, you know, to win and break the American record again, it was, uh, you know, for the third time, it's, it's been pretty cool. It's an amazing story. <laughs> Thank you. I, I've gotten really lucky with wonderful people. And, uh, you know, my mom, like I said, she's always in the back of my head. Whatever happens to you does not define who you are. You define who you are. So you might be in pain, you might be hurting, but you know how to get out of that situation. So and I was always had her little mind talking to me and I'm like let's do it <laughs> obviously we have to to talk about Doha as well the world championships uh so you you came in there as as the favorite the world leader and you you threw the furthest in in the qualification well in the final your first throw was enough uh, to win but you you improved to 77 54 in the third round and became the world champion for the first time and when the competition was done you you got really overwhelmed by emotions so go through that night in Doha with us <sighs> I was like now I'm gonna try so like I say I'm I wear my heart on my sleeve the only time I'm not emotional is actually when I'm throwing I'm very focused lasered in going attacking that's that's how I am when I'm throwing but anytime when I step out of that ring I I am very very emotional I wear my heart my sleeve a lot and I care and um yeah it was I remember getting in there and JC talked to me he goes all right, all you need is 76 meters he goes that should you should medal with 76 and, you know, he, he had that gate so close during training. I mean, I was, I was going through a smaller opening than what we already have. And, um, I remember he was just, he was like, just going to put extra pressure on you, extra, all this, just trying to make such different situations that I would be mentally prepared for it. And, uh, man, JC just, he knocked it out of the park. Cause he's like, first throw. You just get in there and you do your job. Got in there, 76 meters. And I was like, okay, good. That was good. Second throw, I fouled. But, I mean, it was it was booking. It was moving. I could feel it. And, honestly, I feel like if I could have been able to stay with it, that would have been a, probably my farthest throw. Third round throw, attacking, hit. And it came up 77. 
And I remember just looking over at JC and making eye contact. He's like, you're not done yet. Um, I say, now looking back, I made the mistake of, you know, what I do is I would throw, I'd go and I'd sit down and I just stare at the ring. And then I get up, throw, sit back down, stare at the ring. Like that, that is what I did. And um, I say that was probably my mistake there because I was one of the first throwers in the final to throw. And when they reordered, I was the last. So I had such a long time period between my third round throw to my fourth round throw. So I got a little cold. And so I was like, okay, um, I think I went 74 on my fourth round. I was like, like, technically I thought it felt really nice, but since I was cold, I wasn't moving the ball as well. And I remember, you know, I was like, okay, you know, then I started trying to jog a little bit, trying to do a little bit. Next round, I think it was like 73. And I was like, no, <laughs> was like, you know, I always want to keep the pressure on. I don't want to let up. And, you know, it was, it was so stressful. And uh, I was just like, just sit down staring, just like, okay, just focus what you need to do. What do you need to do? How are you going to do it? And, um, you know, JC's talking to me. Um, we're trying to make this game plan. We're running, I'm running back and forth between him and sitting and staring. <laughs> it was the last round throw. JC said, get in there and do your job. And it didn't even really register to me that I was world champion yet. And um, I got in there. And as I hit my fourth round, fourth turn, I put my hands up. And I immediately started crying and I just felt, I was so honored (laughs) and I was so blessed. That moment, I just, you know, it's one that I've always wanted to give back to my country. And I was actually able to give back a medal and to be the first gold medalist for worlds with the United States and the hammer. And I had to bring it home and say, thank you. Like that was probably, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, it, it meant everything to me to be able to say thank you because I just know so many people have sacrificed and have given and believed in me that I was finally able to bring this home. And I was able to, you know, look over at my husband and I saw him, he started tearing up. And and when I saw that, it was game over. And I'm crying. I fall to my knees. And and it was great because, you know, Joanna, and I love Joanna. And she ran over and she hugged me. And I mean, it was this moment that I will never forget. It'll be a moment that will last forever. But I know that. I gave it my all. I did everything I could. And I got to bring it home to my to my people. I got to bring it home. I got to say like look what we did. We did this. We did it together and you know and it's and it's been so great and oh gosh. I said the only one thing I wish that I would have done was had the guts to jump over that banister and hug and kiss my husband. That's the only thing I regret that day. But it was, wow, it was like an out-of-body experience. That when you sit there and you work so hard for something and it finally comes true and you finally get to give back and to say thank you. 
it was, it meant everything to me. It meant everything to finally give it back to my country. Yeah, it's amazing. I can only imagine how it, how it would feel to, to be a world champion. Yeah. Also, it's so weird. People come up because it's still, you know, like I say, competitions, um, being like world champion, being an Olympian, those are all just parts of your life, but it's the people who you meet among, along the way is what makes who you are. And the best thing about being a world champion and getting this medal is that I get to go to schools. I get to go talk to kids. I get to have a platform to tell them, you know, you can do anything you want to do, you know, be who you are, love anyone you want, as long as you're authentically being yourself. Cause it, it took me a while to figure out who I was. And now I get to wake up every morning with no regrets and I get to just be happy and I get to be this effervescent little ball of energy and I, I get to be this strong female and I get to show people that you can have both you can be so nice and you can also have a big heart and you can still be strong and you can still throw things far and you know the only limitations that are on you are the ones that you put on yourself and it's just realizing that if you can put those aside anything is possible Yeah, that's beautiful. beautiful. Thank you. Before we wrap it up, I have a little quiz. So I have five questions about the Hamifro history and the Oh no, American I'm history. so bad at this. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. So oh, we'll see, Lord, we'll see okay. how you do. Uh, okay. So the first question is the women's Hamifro is is a pretty new event in, in the track and field. It was introduced by World Athletics or the former IAAF in 1994. Do you know who set the first official world record for the women's hammerfro? No, I'm telling you, I'm so terrible at this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm so bad at this. <laughs> okay, so it was Olga Kusenkova of Russia with 66.84. That's... See, I knew that Hammer was one of the first times it was in 1994, but it wasn't the Olympic event till 2000. Is that correct? Yeah, I, I think it was yeah 2000, maybe 96. I don't, I don't know, but yeah, I was like, so I was like, I know, like I'm pretty sure the first one was in 2000, and yeah, I was like, I know who threw 80 meters, Anita. <laughs> It was, uh, yeah, 2000. And the first World Championships was in 99. Okay, uh, well, the second question then. Before you your victory at the World Championships last year, no American had even won a medal at the World Championships in, in the hammer throw. Mm -hmm. Do you know what the best American performance at the World Championships was before you? Seventh. Yeah. Yay! <laughs> So it was actually two times in 2003, Anna Mahon, and then in 2009, Jessica Cosby. Jessica Cosby! Yeah, I like that girl. She's so cool. <laughs> the third question. Uh, since 2017, you and Gwen Berry have taken the American records several times each. Berry was first, but before her, 
who had the record and for how long was it? Uh, it Amanda Bingston and it was 75-75. Almost, it was 75-73. 75-73, dang it. <laughs> okay. And as you said before, uh, Anita Vlodarczyk has been the only woman who, who has thrown over 80 meters and she has done it a lot of times, but for how many years or how many seasons has she done that? So I know that she said, so I know 2016 was 82.98. So I know, let's see, 2015. I want to say that she started throwing over 80 meters. I think her first time was 2014. It was 2015. It was 2015? Dang it. And I was like, I know that she was just like, once she hit it, it was like, bam, 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 bam. And I was just like, it, was it 2014? She was like 79. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. Oh, dang it. Because <laughs> I know her and Benny Heiler were going back and forth. Yeah, exactly. I remember okay. that. Okay, so. <laughs> I'm so bad at these questions. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so she has, has thrown over 80 meters in three years. Yeah. 15, 16, and 2017. Yes. And the last question, uh, since since 1956, U.S. has one Olympic medal in the hammer throw for men, but no one for for women. So mm -hmm. do you know who took the medal? It was in 1996 uh, Olympic Games. Do you know who, who took it? Lance Steele? Yeah, exactly. Yeah! <laughs> I love Lance! Farthest... <laughs> Female, I think that was Amber Campbell, and that was 2016, and she plays six. Yeah, yeah. So you know, you knew three or four questions, maybe. So it, it yeah. was, I was like, I was, I was, I was pretty close. The first one, I had no clue. <laughs> yeah, I was like, no clue who that first world record holder was. <laughs> <laughs> it's a tricky one. It's... I know you're making me nervous. I was sitting here, I'm just like, oh, like my husband always. <laughs> laughs at me he's like how do you not know more but to me i'm like you know ignorance is bliss if i don't have that pressure if i don't study it so much you know i won't be like so you know wrapped up into it so but yeah i'm glad yeah i did well <laughs> <laughs> okay so the last question before we we wrap it up if you could invite a guest to the this podcast the track has by triple jumpers who would you like to listen to who would I like to listen to? Ooh, probably the next person that I would love to listen to. Man, you know, I would love to hear, of course, always Anita. Like, she's amazing. But let me think another person that I would love to listen to. Does she speak English? A very little. But but she, she I think she, I think she does speak English, but it, it's a little bit more broken. Um but I'd say another, of course, Joanna, like you should talk to Joanna. She's fantastic. Love Joanna. But I'd say another great athlete, probably out. I love um, Diana uh, I, the, the, um, from England. She's like, yeah, she's so cool. She's really cool. She's really nice. Like, oh, man, Ashton Eaton. I, I love Ashton Eaton. He's fantastic. I think, you know, honestly, like you just can't go wrong with track athletes. You really can't, you know, 
every event is just so beautiful and amazing. Like race walking. Some of my best friends are race walkers. Let me tell you, my hips hurt trying to keep up with them. <laughs> like they're just on a regular walking basis of going to get something to eat. But um, yeah, like honestly, anyone, you're going to get a great story because everybody starts out in this weird way of being introduced, you know, either family history or just seeing it while walking. Just it's amazing. Track and field is just one of those sports that it, it just captivates everyone. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Okay, Diana, thank you very much for joining the podcast. It was very nice to hear hear your story and all that you've you've done so far. So thank you and good luck in the future. Well, thank you. I am now gonna go and make a wedding cake. So Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> it's so nice hearing from you. I appreciate it. Bye. Wow, this was another really, really good episode. Diana was so detailed in her answers and so it really captivated me and got me a feeling like I was a part of her stories, like I was almost there. I love the way she explained things and it's so nice to see how how much her achievements means to her as she she gets so emotional to talk about it. This episode was super good and I learned a lot from talking to Diana. It was really, really nice. I'm thankful for it and I wish her the very best of luck in the future. If you have any athlete, coach or another person you want me to talk to, send a DM to Triple Jumpers on Instagram or send an email to triplejumpers18 at gmail.com and I'll see what I can do to make them participate. Next week, I'm back with another episode featuring the Georgia Bulldogs head coach Petros Cupriano. I love the episodes with coaches because it's super interesting to talk more about training and the science behind the stories of the athletes. So if you like training and sports science, make sure to listen to my chat with Petros next week. Thank you very much for listening today. Until next week, have a good time. Bye. Tremendous speed once again, and he's, oh my goodness, that is huge. It's a white flag for the Cuban. Fédit Tango pour la postérité. Ah!